an ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. So today on the podcast, I have Dominika Stanowick, and she talks about her near-death experience. It's just incredible. And I can't even begin to tell you how amazing it was to hear her describe the experience because through her words, I felt the experience, which was so cool and I wasn't expecting. But also, she talks about how she lost her son and how she was able to handle it because she had been through an NDE. So the way that she puts things is just absolutely incredible. And FYI, she reveals in the podcast that she has dyslexia, speaks four languages, and is learning a fifth, and has written two books. So she's absolutely incredible. And I just can't wait for you guys to hear what she has to say about NDEs. It just was so cool. So without further ado, here is Dominika Stanowick. Welcome to the Affiliate Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this podcast, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll get to witness healings as well as hear from my mentors, teachers, and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for the last 14 years. My connection with energy is so strong and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. Today on the podcast, I have Dominika Stanovich, and I know I'm butchering it, but... No, you're not. You're doing an awesome job. Okay. Nice to be here and nice to be with you guys. Thank you for coming on because this is a really cool topic. So I'm really interested in hearing about your experience having an NDE. So tell us about your NDE. Like, how old were you? What did you see and experience? How did it change your life? You know, tell us everything. So I was 19 when it happened. I was giving birth to my son. Oh, wow. While giving birth to my son, I was told later on, I didn't know that at the time, that birth was long and annoying and it was over 24 hours. Uh, There was hemorrhage. And I was told I lost a lot of blood. They did something wrong. They didn't see it. Basically, I died. And the experience was actually fascinating. And as you asked in a group once, you know, what did you feel? You know, did you have it? I'm like, I am not afraid of dying after this. So what happened was I felt me disassociate myself with my body. Body became something that you look like a picture. It's not physical. I was hanging over, looking down at myself. There was no white light. There was no tunnel or anything like that. Hmm. I was looking down at myself. I'm like, oh, I'm dead. There was no fear in it. It was beautiful calmness, warmth, peace, just this feeling that doesn't exist in this world. But I was looking at myself like, oh, I'm dead. Okay. I was just watching them, you know, running around. I saw nurses running in. I saw doctors running in, talking, you know, giving directives what to do. There was this wonderful feeling of lightness, peace, warmth, that there is something more coming up. And then out of the blue, I felt it wasn't painful, but it was a pull. And I ended up back in my body. When I opened my eyes, the first sentence I've heard was nice to have you back with us. Oh, wow. So that's later on. I asked what happened and I know the you know medical things that happen. But death for me 
was nice, calm, warm, opening the whole new world. I wasn't alone there, but I didn't see anything that would, or anybody, or any other ghost, or soul, or energy. I cannot tell you what would be if I would have stayed there, but it was long enough for me to observe myself being revived, long enough for me to see the whole room and experience this absolutely amazing piece. So right now, if somebody says, oh God, I'm afraid to, I'm like, don't, you're going to be just fine. You're going to feel happy, healthy, whole. There is this silkiness about being dead. It is so soft. It is so caring. It is everything that surrounds you. You're part of it. You are a separate soul entity. You're a separate energy, but you're part of everything. And there is no anger. There is no hatred. There is no ego. There is no anything that can be painful is gone from there where I was. So did you have a sense of like knowingness of how others were feeling in the room about you passing? Like, where did you feel the panic or, or did I you just observe the panic? It? I did not feel it. You were detached from things that are physical. I was detached. I don't know if you are, but I was detached from everything that was physical. I saw them do things. I saw them work on me. I saw them make decisions. I saw them doing everything that they were supposed to be doing. It was like watching a movie from behind the glass. So when you were up there and you saw them making the decisions and there was this detachment, I think I know what you're talking about. It's like similar to watching a movie. Was your child okay? Well, my son lived, but the day I gave birth to him, I had a feeling he's going to die. So that was a very weird birth. I don't know if you can imagine giving birth to a new life that you know is not going to last. How did and you know that? He died when he was 16 months old. And I knew the moment he died. I felt the moment he died. How did you feel it? I was in a bathtub. He was 16 months old. He was in a room sleeping, so I thought. And my first feeling was like, okay, there's something wrong. He's sleeping way too long for, you know, he would take naps during the day. No, 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 you're you're stupid, you know, just ignore your intuition. This is ridiculous. After a while, I got that feeling again. You know, I got out of the bathtub, I warmed up the soup. And I went to the room and he was already dead. I started reviving him. But the moment he actually died, I felt this void showing up. Oh, he came back to me then about half a year later in my dream. Hold on one second. You said I felt this void. And so I I was just coming back to that. So you said void, correct? I just wanted to make sure that I heard the right word. Okay. So I felt a void. So you knew like a piece of you was leaving. That's incredible. I think the way I perceive life We're full, but we grow. And those places where we grow get filled in with other souls' experiences. So we're kind of like a puzzle that always have a piece that you can add to it. He brought that puzzle in when it was his time, and then he took it away again. So me, I stayed a whole. The pain was ridiculous physically when he died. I don't think he took a part of me. I think he took the part that he came with. Wow. So you said he came to you a year and a half later. later. My dreams are amazing because I'm a different person in my dreams, but those continue over years and years. They're like episodes. I was asleep and then I opened my eyes and I was in junior high in Europe where I attended junior high and I looked around and the halls were empty and there are very big, big windows 
you can see outside, that junior high had two levels. I was dressed in a black and red plaid shirt, jeans, headphones, and a Walkman. And I was walking around at school knowing that I'm looking for something. And I walked up to the second floor and I saw across from me a huge slide. It was like three stories high. On top of that slide, it was nothing. And the slide went down into like a playground or sandbox. And there were a lot of colorful toys on the bottom. And out of the blue, I moved from the window where I was standing and looking at the slide and listening to music with my hands on the like the window seal. It transferred me to the top of that slide. And it was tall and it was big and it was scary. And I fell from it. I died in the sandbox. I opened my eyes while being dead in my dream. And I saw my son's eyes. They were grown men's eyes. I heard a man's adult voice. I knew it was my son's voice. And that voice said, Mom, I'm sorry. That wasn't supposed to be now. We've made a mistake. It's not your fault. And I woke up. What do you make of that? What exactly? So it's not your fault. And as every mom, I blame myself that I didn't get up earlier from the bathtub. What if I would do this? Maybe I could save them. Maybe I could do this. It's a natural human process to look for reasons why. Right. And I guess that was necessary for me to start healing. I do believe that there is something out there and we're not the only dimension existing. I do not believe in God, though. I do believe in spirits. I do believe in spiritual world. I do believe in energy, but I do not believe in God. And what does God mean to you? For me, God is just this one guy who divided himself into three and walks around in a human form. It is described and makes decisions, which I disagree with. So why do you hold tight to that understanding of God then? I don't mind people believing in God. I have a lot of friends, very religious. They pray before eating. And I absolutely respect that. Everybody needs something to believe in. I believe in energy. Mm. I'm kind of a mix between the spiritual bones. I need evidence and science, but I do believe that energy is proven by science. And I do believe our thoughts create reality. I do believe that would not be logical if we were the only existing form of life in the universe. It's hard for me to explain what I believe in in a short period of time. It is important to me that I do have the power to create some of my reality. And I do not use energy or universe as an excuse to what happens to me. So very often you hear, which is, I think, quite misguided, people saying, oh, God wanted this that way. No, God had nothing to do with it. It just happened. Some things just happened. It might be a creation of a thought of somebody else or something that grew. If God exists, then he's definitely not punishing anybody and he's not cruel and he's not mean. And he's more of an observer than creator. But that's a whole different story. (laughs) Well, you say that you don't believe in God. I, I think that we have a lot of similar beliefs around what we're talking. Like, I think we're talking about very similar things because I believe in energy and I think the quantum field is God. I don't think it's like a head, like a person or something like that. The divine nature that I've witnessed with healing after healing after healing, you know, witnessing who comes into my life and ultimately so refined and divine experience 
to me, I don't care what it is called necessarily other and God is just a good word for it because it's, you know, people associate it with magical, right. And, you know, something that's larger than themselves and is, is all connecting and all one and things like that. I so call it the universe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of people use what they want. So that's interesting. That leads me into this other question, which is, you know, do you think that your NDE was specific to you? Like, do you think that it looked a specific way because of what you believe in? What we believe in and our NDEs are connected. We believe in God and tunnels and light at the end of the tunnel. We've been taught that from the beginning since we were kids. That experience, that memory that is a false memory is actually created in our head and with different chemicals in biology can be brought out. Mm -hmm. Maybe there isn't one way to have an ND. Maybe all of these are actually simultaneously existing. It's just what our soul energy needs is provided to us. And that's very possible. Me, no tunnels, no lights. That did not happen but a blissful, beautiful feeling that I've never experienced again and probably will not experience it until I die again. So how did that experience change you as a 19-year-old? I learned how to love. Really? I learned how to live. I have been through a lot in life like everybody, and I'm not saying I went through more or less than anybody else. But what I'm saying is that my search for happiness began there. And the pain I was in after my son died kind of interfered with that search for happiness. On the other hand, me knowing that there is so much more in the world that we can die within seconds. It's okay if you tell somebody that you love them and they don't tell you I love you back because you share love. It is okay to help somebody without expecting anything in return. It is okay to be just good. It is okay to be naive and knowing that that person might hurt you. I truly believe that everything we do comes back to somebody, not necessarily us, but it makes the world a better place. So imagine every person doing just one good thing a day, one, handing a flower, helping somebody cross the street. The world would change. It would be uncomparable. So dying allowed me to give freely and often not expect anything in return. Now, do I get human and I go, oh, I want this, I want that. I wish that person, of course I do. But that experience allowed me to know that everything is temporary. And really our money, our dreams, our careers, they have absolutely no meaning later on. And no matter how much we collect now, we're going to be very happy when we go away. At least I am. I don't know how many (laughs) guys, but I am. I just want to say when you talk about your experience, it's so beautiful and I can feel everything that you're saying and how temporary everything is. And I think it's so important that we remember how temporary things are because we can get in our head so much, right? We can, we can think, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. And we can believe our thoughts and our beliefs so easily and actually live by those beliefs and think that there's no way out of that. And, and really when we can take a moment to like pause and meditate or calm down our parasympathetic nervous system, and we can really see what's truly happening. That's when we can really transform our lives and actually release ourselves into this freedom where we can choose what we want to experience and what we want to believe. I know you've written this book. Forgive me. I forget the name of it. Can you tell me it again? Amethysta. And why did you choose that title? It's a stone, amethyst. Right. Okay. I thought also a name. 
And it's the name of the main character, correct? Yes, and I hate her. Absolutely hate her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you said that you grew up dyslexic. I am very dyslexic and Polish. I'm Polish too, by the way. I didn't know if oh. you knew that. No, I had no clue. Yeah, Your my dad not- definitely does not say that. Well, I'll tell you why. So when we came over to the United States, we were given the name Stark a couple of generations ago. So my dad actually, he grew up with a Polish name, which is Konechity. He went into business and they all said, you can't have that kind of last name because people won't trust you. This was back, you know, in the fifties, you know? And so then they said, pick a name that makes sense to you. He went back into his heritage and found that we were given Stark. So then we then raised all his children, which there's six of us with the last name Stark. So that's where my last name comes from. Okay. Anyway, so you're dyslexic and you were told that you wouldn't be able to write a book. Is that what you said? I was actually told that I should never go to college because I'm also epileptic. You're supposed to be disabled and just go get the disability, stay at home. And then I was told also that with my dyslexia, level of dyslexia, there is no way I can achieve anything in writing a book. It's ridiculous. Mind you, my imagination was always great. Hmm. Uh, Just you have no clue what I wrote because I made so many spelling mistakes. And trust me, even in English, I still make mistakes, but I'm not dyslexic in English. So it's possible to be dyslexic in one language and not be dyslexic. No way. That's so interesting. It reminds me, have you ever heard about how people can have an allergy in one personality and then switch personalities and then the entire allergy is gone? So like they could be having hives, switch personalities, and then they're fine in the next one. I think that would be possible. Because allergy is our chemical reaction and quite often related, attached to something we've been through yes, um, and associate with. So if you're, I'm not recommending that anybody has more than one personality, but (laughs) if you do, (laughs) I think it would be possible. I, I never heard of it, but I can imagine this happening. Yeah. I wonder if there is different personalities that have to do with languages. Like maybe there's parts of the brain a meaning, like maybe there's something that lights up. There's a crossover. That's so interesting. I've never heard that. There is actually. Oh, okay. Study on linguistics and where does a language place in your brain. And depending when you start learning the language, you will have different areas of the brain light up. If you're learning simultaneously, all will be in a native tongue. But if you're learning after age, I believe it was nine, then it separates and like goes over a level. And it's like a cap on a cap on a cap because you will acquire through different skills, which means it will always be your second language, which is kind of interesting because in studies, when you get Alzheimer's or you get really old, you wake up one day and you forget the language. Even if you were in the US for 50 years, you will not speak, for example, English because you'll forget your native tongue will come out, but the language acquired later on will not. It is a very different area of the brain that's responsible for second, third, fourth language. And the area will change depending on the age you learn the language at. So I have something interesting to tell you. I've worked on people that have dementia. And then when I do energy healing on them, they recall their life (laughs) for the next hour. That's that actually, that brings up another point, which is Everybody believes that the memories are stored in the mind, but it's actually stored in the energy. And they've realized that when you put somebody into hypnosis, they can recall things, even though their brain is basically missing. Very, very fascinating. Uh, Wow. I'm I'm just actually taking a look at your energy and and language and how you store it. And it's pretty cool. You actually do store it around your body. Didn't know that. (laughs) Cool to learn. I love when I learn things. (laughs) 
Wow. You've, I mean, you blew me away. I mean, we were just supposed to talk about NDEs, but man, have you had an interesting life. I will put the link below to the book that you wrote because it's based on a lot of energy stuff, right? And dimensions and go ahead. You tell. It is a book where I use mythologies from all over the world. And I love debunking mythologies, you know, how actually midgets were not midgets. Being a vampire is actually an illness. It's called vampirism and how it came about and how people created those things. And it's lack of knowledge, basically. Most of the time and people to cope with things, they create ideas. They create visions. This is a story of a young lady that is discovering herself. She's young, stupid, immature, and super annoying. She's in love with an incubi who is also cheating on her. And he's in love with two women. And he is dating her as well as somebody else. One interesting thing, I found a dead language that exists in Google and all the spells used in there are used in that language. So if you have time, you can always copy paste and see what the spell really says. And the book is about basically protagonist is a woman. I believe that women have undiscovered feminine power abilities that we forgot about and we misuse it, misguide it we become so masculine that we lose ourselves. And all of that, because I'm a sociologist by education, and I also teach foreign languages. Everything that bothers me in the world, I used to express in a very straightforward manner. And people would feel uncomfortable with that. So I figured, okay, why not use the magical world that is around us, kind of put a nice wrapping around what I believe in. So my book can be read as a regular fantasy book, which has absolutely everything. Somebody said it's missing only a kitchen sink, which I actually took as a compliment (laughs) because it's extremely, extremely imaginative. But on the other hand, you can read it as a sociological book where there are issues in the world that I believe are wrong and it should be corrected. And sometimes not going straight forward and just talking about it, but putting it in a story, in a fairy tale, like our parents used to teach us can be much more beneficial in the long run. And it did really well in Poland and it's still selling and it's been six years. And I just published it in English a few, I don't know, months ago. Yeah, so I saw June or July you re-released it. Okay, cool. So there is a second part, which I like much better and it's called Brenda. And that's the character that shows up in Amatista and she's the second lead character and she's gonna have her own, she has her own book in Polish. She doesn't have one in English yet. I think I like the second book much better. I think it has much more diversity in it. And I think Brenda is much more me than Amatista. Amatista is like, so not me. And I have no clue how she came out to be and how did she become who she became? Because the idea at the beginning was totally different. So she spoke to you and just started transforming herself. (laughs) Yep. I mean, I got to a point twice where I killed off my main characters halfway through the book. And I'm like, uh... I think this, because when I start writing, I don't have a plan. I just let it write. And for some reason, the events took a turn and she died twice too early. (laughs) So I had to erase the book at least 20 chapters and let her live again and allow her to make different choices so she can survive till the freaking end of the book as she's the main character. How many languages do you know? I speak for learning fifth one. Wow. What four languages and what's the fifth one? Polish, English, French, Russian. And I'm learning Arabic. For what reason? (laughs) 
to keep my brain sharp because it's a fascinating, beautiful, optically language because it's the fifth biggest language in the world. If you dig into Arabic culture is extremely fascinating because nobody's expecting me to speak Arabic. <laughs> I love all of it. I mean, I, I wasn't judging. I'm just wondering why Arabic after, you know, learning four other languages that basically anywhere in the world you could go and you could speak. Basically, this is a language you cannot wing it. Right. I can imagine that. There Japanese no probably would be another one. <laughs> Japanese, Chinese, Korean, but they're too small. Chinese, I don't like the sound. So I wasn't Chinese when I was picking a language. But, you know, it's like with French. I speak French, so that means I can read anything in Italian. I understand most of Spanish because they're the same group of languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can wait, oh, it's like this. Oh, it's like this. Here's like, uh, it's nothing like anything. Okay, I just have to learn it. <laughs> I remember in high school, I learned Latin for four years or something like that. And it made a lot easier to figure out foreign languages. I can't speak them, but I can read some or figure it out. And also just understanding English was a lot easier. Wow. You are super fascinating. I'm so grateful that you've come on the podcast and shared all your wisdom and knowledge. sounds like you have studied a lot on the brain and spirituality and science. And is there anything else you want to share about Anything that we talked about, specifically your NDE? NDE on its own allowed me to understand that we are not bound to anything. And the only reason we suffer why somebody dies, it is because we are egotistical and we're thinking about ourselves. That allowed me to understand that when my grandma died, it it was sad, but it wasn't painful because I knew what she experienced. I was happy for her. She was with no pain. It allows you to process death differently. And that's a blessing because people, after somebody close to them dies, they cry, they miss them. But if you look at this from that perspective, they're okay. We are missing what we want. Mm. It's very self-centered because if we were really worried about them, we should be happy for them. And that perspective takes away a lot of pain. And I think that that's another blessing that I've learned from that NDE. Honestly, as a medium, I do suffer with when somebody tells me that somebody crossed over, I don't know what to say to them (laughs) because I can, as an empath, I feel their pain, but as a medium, I know what, where they went. So I am caught in that in between where I can feel the pain and I know what's possible. And so I do try to bridge that gap for them. It's interesting that the way you put it and then what I've experienced. Something I'll share with you as a medium, every time that I've connected with, almost every time I should say, I've connected with the other side, the messages that are sent are that they're okay. They look their best self. They have so much love for the person and so much compassion. I do speak with a boy that crossed over and he talks to his mom and he will always encourage her to take time for herself and things like that. And it's just a, a wonderful place to be for me, to be that telephone, <laughs> you know, of information. I think we misunderstand death. We, being here in this reality, we think death is the end. I think death is a now, after that experience, I believe that death is just another step another development level of human soul energy however you want to call it we treat death as personal loss 
because that person was filling our void, whichever it was. Now, my idea of having little us being just puzzles is very different because that means I'm whole. And if somebody's missing, it's just the piece basically has, there will be another piece that will go in that place. But I'm still as a whole, and that's an extra piece that was added. If we grow spiritually, emotionally as humans, as people, understanding that we are perfect the way we are and everything is just enhancing our lives, then the loss will not be so painful and it will not be so in depth. You know, losing my son, it was extremely painful. Trust me, my fingers hurt, my hair hurt, my skin hurt, my blood vessels hurt, everything hurt. Yet that experience, when it came back to me, I was like, hmm. He's okay. I've been there. He's good. I've been there. He's happy. I've been there. He is not in pain. I'm missing what I wanted to have from him. And that is very important distinction. Now, is it easy to get there? Absolutely not. Is it natural to get there? No, not in our culture. This is not what we've been taught. But I think sometimes if we would kind of implement that idea to many people, It will take a lot of pain and suffering, which is unnecessary because we're suffering for us. The loss is our loss. They haven't lost. They they don't care anymore. They're gone. They're happy. They're not in pain. So we're actually suffering for us that we lost something. Hmm. And that's a very different perspective that might be helpful, actually, if we start learning it from the beginning. I don't think it would work if you would tell that to somebody who just lost somebody and never kind of looked at it that way because they're in the just big black ball of pain, enormous. And I know people who've never left death. I have a friend, she has a son that died 20 years ago. She's still there. She is every freaking day there. I read a study, I don't know, I cannot quote the journal, but they said that our brain records after our heart stops. Our brain records events for about 20 minutes. If that is so, if we're being saved and loved and not alone, our energy soul is filled with that and they know they were not alone. Somebody was trying to save them. There is no fear in that. So, and those near-death experiences would be very logical with that study because if I die, how do I know what's happening? Well, maybe outside of separating the energy, my brain is recording the events. That's how I can recall them. There's so many fascinating things in the world that have question marks, but are possible. Hmm. And we don't have 100% proof, but we cannot dismiss them. Thank you for sharing that. I've heard about the soul leaving the body and the gram of weight that leaves. It's actually seven grams or something like that, right? Yeah, seven grams. Seven grams. Wow. And seven, of course, is an interesting number, you know. Anyway, we could talk forever on all this stuff, right? Because it's just, we don't know for sure, but we all have our own knowingness and what resonates with us. So thank you. You are such a light in this world. Wow. I wish you were my neighbor. (laughs) Where are you, by the way? Houston. So not too far. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything that you've experienced. I mean, these are intimate memories and, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't even know yet. 
many people don't get to experience it more than I thought, actually, but especially we're in this group that there was a lot of responses and I was like, wow, people need to be a little bit more careful, but I'm sure that everybody experiences it for a reason. Anyway, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast and thank you for sharing all your wealth of knowledge. And it's absolutely incredible that you were diagnosed with dyslexia and now you're about to be speaking five languages. That's really incredible. And I feel a little bit behind the game now. (laughs) (laughs) because I only know a little bit of Spanish and French and English, obviously. So anyway, thank you. Thank you for having me. And you do a lot of awesome things for other people that I cannot do. So everybody has a gift to share. And thank you for feeling that you want to interview me. That was really nice. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. My pleasure. I don't want you to miss out. So here it is. I have a training starting January 4th on Mondays for six weeks for only $200. This is an incredible deal. Spirit has actually made me offer this. So that is why I'm here telling you about it. The program is called Align and it is going to kick you in the pants. You are going to release those limiting beliefs, conquer those fears, and I am going to help you do it. You're going to be able to ask questions because this is going to be live. Each class is going to have a healing in it for you. For more information, go to my website, Stark Transformation, and click the Energy and Mindset tab at the top. I hope to see you January 4th at my Energy and Mindset training called Align. Make 2021 your year. All content provided by Amy Stark and her guests on the Ophelia podcast website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats were created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.